we can get all the book knowledge. We could read everything about polyvagal theory, window of tolerance. We could read Peter Levine's books, everything. But I think the thing that we need to be conscientious of is like, okay, what am I bringing to sessions? How am I showing up? Hello, welcome to The Seasoned RD, a podcast connecting newer professionals in the field of eating disorders to those of us who have been around for a while. I'm your host, Beth Harrell, a certified eating disorders registered dietitian and supervisor. And I'm Abby Brown, a registered dietitian who is newer to the field. I think of myself as a well-seasoned cast iron skillet with wisdom and experience, yet always ready for something new. And I think of myself as an Instapot with innovation and a fresh perspective. This podcast brings both to the table to share ingredients, recipes, and techniques of past and present so we can all be our best for the future. The kettle is heating up. The skillet is on simmer. So join us around the table for true professional nourishment. Abby, ready to stir the pot? Let's do it. Welcome to the Seasoned RD, or welcome back to the Seasoned RD if you've been here before. We're talking today with Dr. Sean Rebel about, yes, trauma-informed nutrition care. This is truly within the scope of the dietitian and quite honestly expected of all providers within the team. Dr. Rebel helps us understand that, quote, what I am bringing into the session and how I'm showing up, not visually, but using the body as a resource, super important. And as I listen back to the recording, it's really fun here to practice words with each other because language matters, but showing up for the client and coming into their world with the compassion they haven't gotten or given themselves. And this is another refreshing reminder of how far we've come in the eating disorder professional world. As Dr. Beth McGilley stated last week, we can show up and be the human in the room put past the past behind us where it asks us to check ourselves at the door before we start a session. So there's two guidelines that Dr. Sean talks about. We need to do our own work and how we show up is going to impact the work that we do. And showing up is a common theme in this discussion. A real quick reframe as I was listening back, I was aware of how I used the word manipulate here. So what I would like to say instead, as I'm learning, and 100% chance I'm going to get things wrong, which I did, is really it's manipulate is something that back in the 90s that I got used to saying, and that's not okay. Kind of like the doctors saying that the patient failed the treatment. Well, no, the treatment failed the patient, but that's just something that we need to be aware of. How a malnourished, instead of manipulate, if someone is uh, reporting that they ate something that they that they didn't or if they purged and they didn't want the team to know. I'm going to reframe that to say how a malnourished and scared brain seeks safety by hiding things from us as the team. The fear is real and Kate Scafati, whose episode is next week, helped gently teach me that that word manipulate caused a reaction in her. A listener comment from Krista. I am a fellow RD that works in the field of eating disorder. I'm a fan of your podcast. I appreciate the podcast touches on a wide variety of topics that are applicable to all of us, but especially RDs. And it's been nice to hear from several of your guests and encouraging to hear other providers sharing information I agree with. It's also nice to hear other perspectives because here's the podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Because no matter how long any of us have been in the field, there will always be things we can learn from each other. Well, thank you, Krista. And so for you, please do take a moment to rate 
or rate and review or rate review and share this podcast with others. I have some news I will be rolling out before the new year and I hope you'll join in the rest of the episodes for this year. Quick disclaimer what this podcast is and is not. We bring in medical, nutrition, and therapy professionals who share their passions, and that's to pique your interest in available modalities for the field of eating disorders. It is intended to inform and educate. What it is not is a not a substitute for professional training and supervision to specialize in the treatment, nor is it a substitute for medical, nutritional, or psychological advice from a professional or specialist. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dr. Sean Rebel. Welcome, Dr. Sean Rebel, to the Seasoned RD. Thank you very much, Beth. Hello, Abby. Nice to see you guys. Hello, hello. We cannot wait to chat with you and learn about Within Health. I do have a couple icebreakers for you, and I know not our guests cannot see this, but the background of your Zoom screen is a beach. So I, I feel like I have a feeling how you're going to answer my first icebreaker, which is mountains or beach. Yes, you correct beach. Absolutely. <laughs> all the time. I don't, not that I don't like the mountains. Don't get me wrong, but the beach for sure. Yeah. Okay. And then my next one for you is breakfast or dinner. Oh goodness. I forgot about that one. Oh, wow. You know, I've been in a dinner thing lately, I guess, but it, I think it switches from time to time. And I, I guess maybe with the cooler weather coming in and then more of like penne ala vodka stuff and like masala. So yeah, dinner, I'm feeling dinner, you know? <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It does change with the weather, right? It changes with whatever. For some reason. Yeah. Like in the summer, I don't know about you guys, but like the summer I'm like really into cereal. Like I'm like, yeah, like this is great. Like stuff like that. So, great way yeah. to start the day. <laughs> and the last one is audiobook or paper book? Ooh, paper book. For sure, paper book. Yeah. The audiobook's super convenient, but I think there's nothing like just being able to have that copy in your hand when you're one at the beach or if you're in, if you're a mountain person at the mountains. Right? So, yeah. so, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's um, what it's all about. We're all different and that's okay. <laughs> yep. yeah. yeah. I love the smell of paper. So. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so you are a registered dietitian, PhD. How did you get into nutrition as a field? And then how'd you get into eating disorders? Oh my goodness. Great question. And man, so I would say just with how everything has shifted with the field of just the coordinated programs and, and, and whatnot, I, I was really bent on becoming a physician. Like I was orthopedic surgeon for sure. I had a, my, my godfather, my uncle is an anesthesiologist and did some rotations with him and, and was just in love with medicine. And I did an externship with a local hospital and kind of got, I guess, privy to some of the politics that were going on there. And I know Beth, we were just talking about some of the things that go on, you know, just with you know, just hierarchical and, and, and whatnot. And, and, and I saw some people that were not treated well, but then also to a lot of people that weren't happy. And I was like, wait a sec, this isn't the life that, that I want and hit pause. And with that, I, I, I grew up surfing. So Abby, I, I love, I do love the beach. Grew up on Long Island, New York, and people are like, wait, you surf on Long Island? And you do. You get some good ways. If you guys want to check it out on YouTube, there's, there's some, there's some guys there that, that have some vlogs out that are, that are pretty cool. But anyway, I grew up surfing with my dad. And during that time through my younger college years, I saw friends and family get caught up in, in addiction and, and 
And it was just a path that I saw where I was like, you know what? I, I want to get into quote unquote, something healthy. Mm. So I got into road cycling. Little did I know about the performance enhancing drug usage, the fat phobia, the weight stigma, all that. So fast forward, I got into exercise science. And so I went to the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs for my master's. And I worked with Dr. Jackie Burney, who is a sports uh, nutritionist and one of like the founders of like the CSSD along with Nancy DeMarco and whatnot. And so I had a registered dietitian as my advisor, but I was this exercise science major. And I fell, I don't want to say I fell in love with nutrition because that's not like, I, I can't say that. And I'm not going to lie and try to say that, but like, oh yeah, I loved it. It was, it was more like, wow, okay, this is a huge part of sport performance. So I was at the US Olympic Training Center, able to work with athletes and just saw how much nutrition, how important nutrition was for performance. But then also too, with my cycling, I was like, wait a sec, okay, I need to be intentional with how I'm feeling myself for these rides and for training, for racing, et cetera. And at that time, my advisor, Dr. Jackie Burning was just like, Hey, if you want to talk about food, you need to become a dietitian. I was like, what do you mean? I need to become a dietitian. What is that? Like, I want to, you know, like I'm, I want to go, I want to get a PhD, you know, like I want to do, I don't, but I, but she helped me. Like, it, it was just really great because to have someone that was super passionate about the field and to help like bridge that gap of like, well, look, this is the work that's being done. And this is why, like, there's all these biochemistry concepts. There's it, it just the, the conglomerate of what goes into being a dietitian. She helped me really appreciate it. I was like, oh, okay, I really do. And so I'll never forget y'all. I tried to get out of my food service, like rotation. I forgot what it was, not the rotation. It was, you know, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the, oh, but it wasn't, I apologize. It wasn't the rotation. It was the class because I had to take it over like summer. It was like, like a June and I was in Colorado Springs, like riding. And I was like, oh my goodness, I want to go to Utah and like race. Like I want to do these need things. To talk like, about a number 10 can. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Number 10 can. And I needed to cook broccoli five different ways and like, you know, do all this stuff. And I was like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? What is this? But she helped me see and 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 my my instructors, everybody like the dietitians that were part of that education process. I'm super grateful for for all their just pouring into me and helping helping me understand it. I know I'm getting a little bit long winded with this. Oh, this is great. That's that. That's how the nutrition piece came in. So after my master's, I was actually set up to go to, to into a PhD program, and I said, "Wait a second. I said I need to I need to become a dietitian first. Like, there's just I had this feeling. I was like, it's not going to work. Like, if I mm-hmm. become if I go into a PhD program, I don't know when that's going to happen. Like, this is the time. There's a transition. Like, there's a pause to the end of my master's work before this. And so I I applied, and I, I was matched to Virginia Commonwealth University. It was called MCV back then. And I did the internship there and started working in renal dietetics. And throughout that time, I was still cycling and still, oh, I didn't, I didn't mention during my master's, I did research on male cyclists. That was one of the main things that like, and so I I studied subclinical eating disorders in male cyclists, specifically from the, the, uh, the community that, that I was in, I was able to kind of put feelers out and, and get a, a large response with some questionnaires about, behaviors, food intake and and whatnot, just with a food frequency questionnaire. So nothing super intense, but mm-hmm. good enough to shine light on a on a on an area that needed some needed some attention there. Yeah. And so that's how I became a dietitian. So that, and then so I became I started out in renal um dietetics. It was I said, okay, I if I can either do sports nutrition or renal dietetics. And renal dietetics was the job that was available. And yeah, 
and from there just kept on kept on going. So myself. different renal dietetics, yeah. sports nutrition, and eating disorder. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think it's like I mean I don't know if this is still what you guys have experienced, but I remember just always being like everybody being like, no, I'm not touching renal, like no way, I'm it's, not doing it. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, same. So I'm I forgot to bring you back to your RD exam day. And I hate oh. to bring that back, maybe a possible trauma for you, but um, <laughs> what was, the, what do you remember about that day? So I remember I, I was living in Virginia. I remember that I had to drive a little while to get to the center. It was computer based. So okay. I was on the computer, but it wasn't like, I don't know what it is today. And I'm assuming it's very more, so much more user-friendly. Like it was almost like the, like the DOS system. Like it was like the blue screen and just like very like, IBM. I don't know. I don't know if I could even say that, but it was just like very like, you know, like, yeah. okay, it's this question, like very simplistic. It reminds me of like an eighties movie that you see, like, like computers <laughs> yeah, yeah. MS DOS. Yeah. 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 I remember that. And I remember being very nervous taking the exam and I was the only one in the room there and I finished and like, I was like, Oh no, did I, did I pass? Like, did I pass? And I remember that took like a little while, uh, at least it seemed like a little while to me. And then I got the score and I was like, oh my goodness. And I, uh, yeah. I, you were the I, only one in the room? Yeah, it was the weirdest thing because it was some yeah. testing center. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. I was the only one in the room. Yeah. Okay. And it wasn't just like a one person room. Like it was, it was a room. Like it was, I felt like it was kind of like a recording studio. You know how you have like that glass? Like I feel like yeah, there was that yeah. glass there that was in yep. front of me and like nobody else was there. And it was just that weird. is bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. I figure, yeah. Abby so. has shared with me what it's like now. And I just remember her saying like they check your glasses i guess there's so much technology now that they do like people- scan your eyes do your your handprints it was kind of intense wow. okay. <laughs> all right yeah. well speaking of trauma there was a topic that you just presented for the within summit by the way is this the first year that within did a summit Yes, yes, this is. It yes. was amazing. And I have oh, this I have this education calendar that I pull together for my students and for my supervisees and and a group of people who just want to know what's up and coming. And so I was able to attend the summit. It was rich with with people I hadn't met, with topics I hadn't considered. And so yours was on trauma yeah, trauma-informed nutrition yeah. and linking it with attachment and polyvagal theory. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I'm I want to soak this up. Partially, Chavez Turner started out by saying all professionals need to learn about trauma yeah. and be trauma-informed. And yes. I attended Tracy Brown and Fiona Sutherland's wow. trauma. Did you too? Oh my goodness. I, I did not train them, but Tracy Brown is like one of my, I want to call her a mentor because I met her and like with Paula Scavaloni and just kind of like getting into this. That's yeah. She, okay. she helped me understand it. Yep. What do dietitians need to know about trauma? Oh my goodness. Oh, wow. <laughs> In five <laughs> minutes, it. ready, set, go. <laughs> no, I know. I know. That's it, right? Like, you know, even, even just with saying that, I'm like, I think we need to know patients. And I think we need to know that our own reaction is part of that whole process with clients. And when I say that whole process, what I mean is like being trauma informed. The one thing, and this is something I think that many dietitians say, and I don't want to say something trite. One, we need to do our own work. And two, like we, I, I think it's really important for us to understand that how we show up is going to 
impact the work that we do. Um, and I know that's not specifically like, okay, some great like literature based answer for like, okay, what a dietitian needs to know for trauma. But I think for on a personal level, like that's specifically it. We can get all the book knowledge. We could read everything about polyvagal theory, window of tolerance. We could read Peter Levine's books, everything. But I think the thing that we need to be conscientious of is like, okay, what am I bringing to sessions? How am I showing up? What is, how, how, how am I being seen? And that doesn't mean that visually, but I mean, how, like when you talk about Stephen Porges and neuroception, like here, here we are talking to each other and, you know, like we could, we can kind of pick up on each other's vibes, you know, but the thing is, is what vibe are we bringing to sessions with clients? And it's something that's, that's difficult. I mean, I think I, I would love to hear from you guys too, of how you guys experience it with clients, because and and Abby, you mentioned we were talking before you're saying you're in private practice. And Beth, I think I, I remember you saying you're in private practice and you work with students. There are factors that come into play that we don't have control over that we learn about before we hop into a session. So we might, and this isn't even just to say, like, okay, something that my family says we're from New York. So they're just, and so, and I just say it because they're very like, check your hat at the door. You know, it's like whenever you go to like a family party, it's like, check your hat at the door. And you come in and you, and you enjoy family, you know, like, that's it. Like, it doesn't matter if you enjoy family, right? But the thing is with clients, it's okay, we need as professionals, we need to say, okay, wait a sec, regardless of this drama that's happening, I need to show up for this client and come into their world. Mm -hmm. And I need to be consistent with them. And I need to show them the compassion, maybe that they haven't gotten and show them mm -hmm. the perspective that they might not be seeing. Not saying that that's totally on us, but they're going to guide us on where we, where we're going to go in that session. Absolutely. Gosh. So I have, <laughs> I take notes during these and your show notes are already so long because at the bottom, I'm going to have Sean's Dr. Rebel's seasonings. And those are the seasonings that those are show notes that people can then go to and find polyvagal, Stephen Porges, all of these people and resources that you've used to get you to this point. But also one and two, we need to do our own work and we need to know how we're showing up in the room. Yeah. So we're there before we hit record. I think you said using the body as a resource, our bodies and our clients' re reactions. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So yeah. what can you tell us about polyvagal theory? So, I mean, there's, there's a ton of resources there. I think the main thing that I think of when I think of polyvagal theory is, and, and this is more of Dan Siegel as well. So I, I, there's a conglomerate of, of of individuals, but I think of window of tolerance. And I use that as a frame to understand what's happening because polyvagal theory, you think of your ventral vagal system, dorsal vagal system, and that social connection system. And those are three different, that's part of polyvagal theory there. That dorsal vagal system is when you're shut down. And I, I, you guys have probably heard of, heard of this too. I think of it, I use it with clients a lot. I use and anybody please use it, but I, I come up with like, okay, hey, where are you, I, wherever the client's from, if they're from, you know, in Oklahoma, it's like, okay, where's a park that we can go on a hike and say that we see a snake? Because I don't like snakes. I particularly, I don't know why. It's just something I don't like people, reptiles, cool. Like if you like them, that's your thing. Great. For me, if I see a snake, like, I, I guess I shouldn't have moved to Florida then if I don't like snakes. <laughs> but so I say, okay, if we saw a snake, what would happen? Well, in that moment, if it was like a king cobra, I would probably like I wouldn't know what to do. I would stop in my tracks and, mm -hmm. and I would freeze mm -hmm. because I was 
so scared in that moment. And I explained to him, okay, that's my system trying to protect me from the threat that's there. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were, and if Beth or Abby, if you guys, you guys are probably be stronger than me in that moment. Like, Sean, it's just, don't worry about it. Come on, keep on going. Just keep on going for, for a hike or whatnot. Keep on going on our walk. There might be that fight or flight that comes in. So you might grab something, throw it at the snake, or you might run away. You might say, oh my goodness, we have to go. So that's that more sympathetic nervous system mm-hmm. activation that's coming. That I, I look at that when we get overloaded, that's going from like going from the sympathetic nervous system is I can, I can do this. This is fight or flight. How can I move? How can I get mobilization? The freeze, that's the I can't anymore. Mm-hmm. That's the overwhelm. That's mm-hmm. oh no, I'm shutting down. Okay. And so my point in saying that is because that dorsal vagal system comes in as that response to help protect us from the threat from whatever is happening. Mm-hmm. We might see clients show up in that in that shutdown response because of whatever happened with food. Like for instance, we have sessions, you y'all probably have sessions too after a client might have food, might have a meal, mm-hmm. or it might be the next day after perhaps a, a, a rough night. And I don't mean that of like going out, but you know, like right. Yeah. With, with the yeah. eating disorder. Yeah. With the eating disorder. Yeah. Like, and so they come and, okay, how can we help get energy into their system? Mm-hmm. How can we help them get more into their thinking brain? And again, that's when we talk about Dan Siegel and thinking. the hand model of the brain, you know, of like, okay. And this is what Katie Peel was talking about. She, I I, I don't know where it came from, but flip the lid she talked about like in the, in the, in the talk. And I, and I love that analogy because when I go over with clients, it's, it, it's true though. Like you, you don't have access to that thinking brain, mm-hmm. to that prefrontal cortex. When you're in that emotional response, you mm-hmm. can't think things through. And that's what happens with our clients. And when they're in that shutdown phase, they're, they're, they're beyond that. They're beyond okay. that. We need to bring them back on, bring them back online. How do you bring them out? Yeah. So that, so, and this is, this is the thing of like, okay, how do we show up and knowing what our clients are bringing to us? Because it's not something where like, okay, cool. We just met in a session and now let's start doing some of these skills. We need to know the client. We need to know what works, what doesn't work because when someone, and this is where the, where it's so awesome to have such talented teammates alongside of us. And what I mean is dietitians, right? Like the team is so important because we have the psychiatrist, we have the somatic therapist, we have the therapist that can come and say, Hey, actually, you know what I'm noticing when this client is connecting to their body in this way, they, they start having some of these memories. Mm-hmm. And so that might, that might happen with food for someone when they get mm-hmm. full. I have a client now that's struggling with that, that like, okay, it gets to a certain fullness level. It's that level. That's just like, okay, you know, when our bodies register, okay, we have food, you have food, that's automatically associated with discipline. Okay, so this will be helpful, Abby, it's going to go along with your question. I'm wondering, Sean, if you are willing to help me with a particular person that as you were talking about the the dorsal and the shutting down. So I have a, a client who's neurodiverse, she has is on the autism spectrum. And whenever I go into, I mean, there's a typical like end of session, like, ah, I got to tell her this and I got to ask her, what is it going to be next time? You know, how is it going to be? And, and she has been to what I call the ICU of eating disorders care in Denver. And so there's a whole lot of my clients who have 
been to higher levels of care who just can't do it anymore. Like they're just like, Beth, we have to do this in outpatient. And this particular client doesn't have a therapist who's communicating with me very well. So that's just something I have to deal with. But anyways, the I feel like that she's shutting down whenever I bring up the anything that might be psychoeducational. So the heart rate, exercise compulsion is very real. Understanding the the cave person brain, and I'm using Dr. Gaudiani's piece, or ravenous hunger. And so I notice in her that kind of pulling back from me and saying, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know that. So I need to move away from my psychoeducational brain, maybe just calling it what it is in that session. Like my nervous system is telling me that there are, I don't even know if I should use those words of nervous system. My, my, my body is telling me, or my nerve, I don't know, is telling me that this isn't helpful to you whenever I bring some of those things up. Absolutely. And I think too, asking what's happening for you in your body now, what are you aware of? Mm-hmm. What happens? What happened? And that can be how you, maybe you open up session. I don't want to tell mm-hmm. you what to do, but yeah, no, that's how I, I come from. This is what I think of. I'm like, huh, if I notice this pattern at the beginning of session, of course, you know, you, I would come in and check in see how somebody's doing, kind of assess, you know, like wh- where that person's at, what if there are some talking points they want and then say, Hey, was thinking about this. I was thinking about how sessions have ended the past couple of times. And I've, I felt this energy. I felt this kind of uncertainty or this urgency of knowing like what's coming next or, or whatnot, or kind of a pullback. And I'm I'm wondering what you feel in in your system, in your body, where do you Mm -hmm. notice anything that might feel uncomfortable or, or activating for you when we're, when we're together here and we're talking Mm -hmm. about things? I love that. I love that language. Mm-hmm. It really is. It, it's it's aligned with what I, I just needed your words to kind of help me with that. And the fact that she is more on the autism spectrum, I think she has a harder time tapping into her somatic. Oh my goodness. Yes. This is so y'all, this is something too. So for a resource, there's something called the safe and sound protocol. I'm not sure if you all have heard of that, but it's something that was developed by Dr. Stephen Porges. If you guys want to check it out and I would recommend it to other dietitians and myself, I'm looking further into it, but we have somebody yet within that's trained in this, in this protocol. And it's, it's actually the use of it's, it's using vagal stimulation because in your ear, you can actually stimulate the vagus nerve. And so you can actually work on vagal tone through different frequencies. There have been anecdotally, I don't have literature to, to share, but maybe on the safe and sound protocol website, you could see they might have some research there, but it's, it's like a six week process of listening to different music, like different frequencies of music. And it actually helped. And when you think of it, when you think of someone that is neurodiverse, you think of like, what are those frequencies, right? That they have trouble with the, the baby crying, baby crying at such a high frequency, Right. So the thing is, is they use different, and I know I'm repeating myself, but different music, like um, concertos, like all like violin, cello, classical music, more like 70s pop music, things like that. Like, And it's this, these are playlists that someone listens to. And it actually, there, there's been great 
success rates anecdotally with, with using this protocol to help individuals become more tolerant and to become more aware of what's happening in their systems. So I think of that's what, like what you were saying, Beth, and I know, I know, Abby, I didn't answer your question of like, okay, what can we do? We'll get there. I promise we'll, we'll get there. But, but yeah, I think of this protocol and it's something that I think is really, it's, it's, I don't want to use the word revolutionary because I don't, you know, I haven't, taken the course or anything like that, but it's something where people have been getting healed. And it's like, wow, if something's not working for someone like, and this has minimal risk, let's, let's, let's move that way. You know, this is the whole idea of the podcast, right? Is coming up as introducing people to different modalities that help them learn what they want to learn or help them apply. And within is one of those kind of like out of the box, let's try to treat people at their home. Cause I will say that these these clients of mine who have been to higher levels of care, I keep thinking about that. Why do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result? So, yeah. Got it. I mean, that, that makes total sense. Yeah. And, and something that I want to say, and this isn't like a huge like plug for within or anything. It's something that I think is really important. It's that I, we're all like, and I say we all, but everybody at within we're passionate about. We're not trying to replace in-person treatment. Right. Like that's, that's not our gig. Like, you know what I mean? There, there is a time and place for that. What we're trying to do is exactly what you were saying, Beth, is to, to find, to find those individuals that have been to treatment or can't make it to treatment or scared of going to treatment in person or have had multiple attempts of treatment and it doesn't stick because when, when we're working with somebody in their home, that's where there's no translation necessary. We're able to, they're, they're able to take the skills that we do with them and implement them. Yes, it, we might not be on, you know, we might not be with them specifically, but they're in that environment. And so seeing how they can translate those things easier, more easily versus being removed. If you put somebody in a vacuum, yeah, it's going to be very easy to do things. And that's what we see. People have gone to higher levels of care. And they they have to come home rules. and do it all. Yeah. All exactly. Again, in, in their own place. So what's exactly. the ideal client for, for within? Oh my goodness. Well, so in this, I would say for within, we're, we're, we're looking for someone that has, and I, I mean this with all due respect, that has some, some familiarity with, with using technology. They don't have to have tremendous familiarity. Oh my goodness. I, I smiled because we've had, we had some individuals come to us that haven't even had cell phones and because of their um, because of their cultural beliefs and 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 whatnot, and it has been a joy to work with them. Just so so it's just so I say that it, it's good. It, it, not that someone needs to know how to use a you know a, a device because we can. We have individuals on our team that can help people understand to use those devices. But to understand the dynamics of of you know of like okay, if I hit this button, like it's going to turn me off. Like and I I don't want to do that. The other clients that I would say ideal would be anyone struggling from an eating disorder with an eating disorder. You know, there isn't like, okay, this person is not a great candidate or whatnot. We don't have the capacity for 24 hour nursing care or monitoring. So if someone needs that, that, that monitoring, that's something that we are going to be, you know, we're going to be very upfront and transparent about that, that, Hey, we, we really believe that you need need more acute care than something that we can, than we can offer you right now. But yeah, mostly we don't have many limits on, on who we can see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really do see that as a, as a, for those clients who have been there, done that and tried so many other things that, that 
it's like any other virtual program, whether it's numberless scale that Bluetooth's over to the practitioner, whatever. There's there's ways that people can kind of manipulate with food and eating on camera or in groups or whatever on if you're at your home. I'm sure there's ways that people can can manipulate that. And so it really becomes more of like the 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 greatest client for this is someone who is so sick and tired of their eating disorder and they just want the help. And so they're they're going to be open and honest and they're going to be received in a even the way that you said about the cell phone. Like it's such a joy to work with people who don't have the cell phone. It's a reframe to me. I would love it if people didn't have the technology that's out there right now. But anyway, I digress. A quick shout out to the sponsors of today's episode, Within Health. Within Health is unique. It's virtual and comprehensive and personalized treatment for those with eating disorders. It's built on tech-enabled and digitally native platform. Within brings a full multidisciplinary team, remote patient monitoring, and get this next one, food delivery to the home and aftercare all into the home. And all of this to increase access, improve outcomes, promote healing. Within Health offers virtual partial programs, so PHP and IOP levels of care, depending on each client need. Finally, Scheduling is flexible and determined on an individual basis. Within Health treats ages 13 and up and all gender. So check it out in the links. Again, they are in the show notes. If you don't mind me adding, Beth, to what you were just sharing, there was some literature because at the be- at the beginning, I said, I think it was last spring, we were we, I did a talk for an IADEP chapter and we were talking more about like, okay, remote care, like how has this whole thing come to fruition and what does it mean for treatment? And going through the literature, I was, I, I don't remember the specific university, but it was somewhere somewhere over in England, Europe, and they were looking and what they found was like, it, it, it doesn't matter the modality, whether you're doing remote care or in-person care. If someone wants to manipulate something, they're going to manipulate something, you know? And like, that's, I think that's one of the things that I myself needed to check myself with and really look into because like, wait, how is this going to work if we're on a screen together? Like, aren't there barriers to that? And the reality is, yes, there's barriers, but then also too, when you look at it, there are even barriers when you're in person, there are tons of things that, that happen that can, you know, those, those variables. So I just wanted to put that out there because it is something where it's like, wow, like even if someone has that history, it's like, okay, well, exactly what you said, Beth, where's, where are they at? What, Absolutely. What are they looking at? It's what data for us. It's uh-huh. data exactly. about them and where they where they are in the moment. Yep. And y'all have a meal delivery side of this, correct? That is correct. Yes. And so is that nationwide or in specific states or how does that work? It is. It's nationwide. Yep. It's nationwide. And so the vendors that we use are able to deliver to the lower 48. I say lower 48 between the two that we're, that we're able to use. There are some barriers with it. And I, I, I mean this with all due respect, you know, as, as, as dietitians, I think we're very up on a lot of the different cultural things that are, that are going on. And, and, and when I say that, I, I guess specifically like diet culture and health, healthism and clean eating and all that. And so there are some barriers that, that we navigate with that. However, we look at some of those barriers as opportunities because 
when someone is at that place where they have their safe foods, those safe foods are the only ones that they're willing to eat. What do you do? I don't know what everybody's philosophy is, but for our philosophy, what we do is we meet the client where they're at. We want somebody like, and I think of Jessica Setnick and the foundations of the principle, nutrition principles for eating disorder recovery, right? What's at the bottom there? Adequacy, right? If someone's eating their safe foods, well, let's get them enough of their safe foods that we can get their neurotransmitters firing. We can get their enterocytes refurbished and just so things can get online. And then we can start again, getting back on that thinking brain and helping them understand like, Hey, this is what's happening in your system. Like, let's, 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 let's look at, let's expand. So let's see what we can do. Yeah. I mean, we can get into so many different, do you do open weights, blind weights, do you weights, do you count calories? Do you move them away from counting calories? And, and adequacy is so important. I don't, sometimes I'll, when I'm starting with someone, I'll just say, I don't care if you eat the same thing all day, every day, as long as you get enough right now, right? right? That's our first step. And I had a, a friend who is a hiker and who had been through her recovery and said, if somebody had told me later, so she hikes in Rocky Tundra, she said, if somebody had told me this is what it's going to look like at the end, I would have been scared because I would have, I need that rock, that first rock to put my foot onto, to have a strong hold before I find the other rock to put my foot on. And so at counting calories or eating the same food without variety, that is just that first rock to me of we've got to find a stronghold. We've got to find footing. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And that, that's, and I, I know that that's like, even what you just said, Beth might be really controversial. And some people might be like, Oh my goodness, counting calories. But it's the fact of the matter when someone is at that place, how, and, and again, and I, I, I don't know if this is, you know, like, like what I we can look at things as obstacles or we can look at them as opportunities right? Like, so what are we going to do? How can we help somebody? Of course. And what we might do too, we might, we might show them a picture of the landscape and say, Hey, I, or, or maybe not like what you're saying Beth, with this client of, Hey, they need to hit, they need to get their footing first on this rock before we show them the next step. But sometimes we have to say, Hey, I know you want to eat intuitively. And right now you're at this place where we're going to focus on it. And that's the ultimate goal. If we can collaborate, if we can come together and see that, okay, if we take these necessary steps, we'll eventually get to that space. If that's too overwhelming, okay, cool. Like we don't have to think of that. We can stay right here right now, but I want you to know. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Get you to adequacy. And I had forgotten about the Jessica Setnick's the pyramid. Uh, the pyramid. Yeah, the pyramid. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. So there's another, your show notes are going to be five pages long of all the resources, all the great stuff. Cool. I don't know if y'all have noticed just once since we started talking about calories, 1600 is becoming the new 1200. Have you guys seen that? I have not. No, no please tell me more. Yeah, tell us. I don't know what famous person started saying that they're eating 1600 calories and people started taking it running with it. But I'm like, well, we're getting somewhere maybe or maybe. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And what is this? 
Yeah, we will take what we can get. And some of these, the 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 problem can be that when someone's restoring, just even not even a number on the scale, but just have been in such a deficit for so long, it it can take. And maybe it's okay to say these numbers out loud, and maybe it's not. But this podcast is for professionals, so if we thousands and thousands of calories just to get somebody to get to a point where they can restore and repair. So putting those numbers out there for a client, like 1600 doesn't even help your big toe make it through the day sometimes. Yeah. I don't know about y'all, but for me, sometimes I really wish I could share calories with clients. Mm -hmm. I say wish because like, it's like, yeah, you just know, like, because they're like, oh my goodness, well, I'm not eating this. I'm like, are you kidding me? If you ate a, like, if you just ate the food, like, exactly. <laughs> like you're, you're freaking out. Like, I already eaten it. Already. Exactly. Exactly. And the, and the nuances of the tiny amounts of, of differences that somebody is going to get really stuck on. Yeah. Like I had, uh, well, a, a, someone who said I, I had, I got a burger, but I didn't do the bacon on it. Okay. Well, th- I understand and the bacon's like 45 calories. Like who, you know, that's going to, you're going to walk across the room twice and it'll be, I don't know. Well, it's, it's like what you're saying, like with that though, too, it's like, okay, so you're worried about that, but are you going to be thinking about bacon for the rest of the night? Right. Or is that going to come back to you the next time? Are you going to feel shame when you show up to our session and you say, oh, well, I had the burger, but I didn't have the bacon. Like how, how, how worth it is it? You know, and don't get me wrong. We're going to celebrate opportunity. Um, we're going to celebrate victories, right? Like, awesome. Cool. You had the burger. Well, let's focus on getting the bacon next time. Cause I don't want your mind thinking on that or thinking that this is some forbidden food or that you're not good enough because you didn't do the bacon or still having the fear of the bacon. Yeah. Right. And it's like, wait, let's, let's, let's fully embrace this. This is what I, oh my goodness, y'all. I don't know. Um, we do a group, I, well, I do a group at with fully claiming your victories you know, like fully claiming your victories. And I use metaphor in the group and stuff, but that's, I, 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 I mean, personally, I'm going to tell you guys, like, I love that group. I don't know if clients really love it, but I like it, but I love it because we're able to like, but you really dive in because you get to the heart of the matter. You get to the heart of the matter of like, okay, how cool is it when you're growing up, right? And I'm just using an example for me and I, this might sound very privileged, but I, and I, this is even like a real example, but I think of it of like, okay, cool. Like, if my family got me a, an electric guitar when I was six years old, cause I want an electric guitar, how much would I appreciate it if I didn't have to work for it? And I'm not saying things need to, I'm not trying to be like an old, like, oh, you need to work for what you get. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's like, but the fact of the matter is, is when we're given things, we don't really appreciate it as much as if we really had to work for it. And same thing, you know, like as we get older and, and we're making, if we're fortunate enough to have a job and to make money versus being, being drowning by society what i mean is is that okay like you really value that 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 what you're investing in and so that's what i share with clients is like what how can you fully claim this victory because if someone gives it to you that it's not meaningful for you but for yourself like how can you fully claim this how can you fully claim recovery today what do you need to do today we have lunch coming up what do you need to do at lunch to fully claim recovery today I. Love that. And I, and, you know, even the word victory versus success and failure, it feels different. I don't know. For me, Mm. I have a client who's, who likes to say good, bad, healthy, unhealthy, junk, clean. And this is victory. 
or a win and a loss. And Mm -hmm. so I don't know, victory sounds a little softer to me instead of like you have to either win or lose. It's just victories and then keep doing it. Like when we're using the bacon one, okay, yay. And do it again and do it again and do it again. Yeah. I would love to hear from you guys, if you don't mind me asking, like for you guys, how have you guys handled that? Like with the dichotomy of like, okay, this is junk because that's been a lot of the rhetoric that I've been hearing a lot with clients is okay. Junk food. And I know that might sound, I don't know. When did that come? That term come? Was that like in the eighties or something? Or is like, Oh, junk food. Like, but I hear like, Oh, that's junk. No, I'm not going to eat this. And like the clean and like, Oh, this is pure. Not, not, I haven't heard pure fresh. That's fresh. It's always fresh. You know, it's like, Oh, fresh ingredients. How have you guys navigated that? That's hard. And this whole like new wave of, oh, it's too processed. I don't want anything processed. I've got these teens coming in now and they're like, well, I was looking at the ingredients and it's just not very clean. And I'm like, oh my, no, 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 no. And we were just getting somewhere. And then like, you know, another crappy trend comes into play. And so I don't know. I don't even really have a good answer how I deal with it. But it is hard. And so I think I just try and challenge their thoughts. Like, well, I mean, but you like that food. Like you really like Twinkies and you know, you should be able to have them. It doesn't always go very well. They don't always see what I'm saying, but I think we're getting somewhere. Yeah. And to go off of your Twinkie example, there is a professor, I don't know which university who did the Twinkie diet. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. That's right. And so, you know, you can take anything and turn it into a plan. And so we're going to go with the diet du jour. And so for me, I kind of try to find out what's the end goal. Like, what's the end? Why why are processed foods? So this this is too processed. And here's your reason. You know, here's what you're looking at and how you came to that conclusion. And so what happens if you eat? I just want to hear from them because I have in my mind what I think they might be thinking, but I could be way off. And then we have something to work with. Then we have a, a statement of it's too processed. So one, one example is a client who's loves to read the research and talked about this research that came out with I forget the, it's a small N and the number of calories burned in your body if you eat later in the day or earlier in the day. And it kind of threw them off on what they were doing because intermittent fasting is a big popular thing. And this was different. It ended up being different from what they were practicing within their diet. And it just threw them for a loop. So what is the end? Is the end calorie burning? Because guess what? You're in, you're in restoration right now. Your cells are just, your body. I'm always as the dietitian representing your body. If you can't tap in or understand what's happening, I'm going to tell you from a body, a human, a mammal perspective, what's happening in your body. So you can Uh take it, you can let it go. I'm holding a little soft ball that kind of they hold on to it try it out I don't like that try something else out I got so many little gentle balls to toss your way that you can hold on to and try it out so you know 
if you're trying to burn calories and that's why you're eating at a certain time of day, or if you're wanting your body or your metabolic process to be on your side, then eat all day, every day. But I don't have, I don't expect you to believe me, but this is, this is the truth. (laughs) This is what your body would be telling you if you were able to hear it. Yeah. It's funny with, with us, with this conversation, what we're having now, what got me thinking about it is actually going back to that, like trauma informed care of like, okay, so Abby, this started out with like, and I don't know why Twinkies are on the bed list now, but you know what I mean? But like the process, like quote unquote processed food, right? Like it's to me from a trauma informed lens, what I think of is like, okay, how to me, it's, it's just clicking. It's like, oh my goodness, wait, of course that would be the thing, because if that's what everybody's talking about we want to be a part of the pack. We don't want to be left back, right? Like if we're left, we are, we are at the mercy of the predator, right? Like, and I'm just saying that, and I know that might sound scary. I know there's a movie and all that, but I mean, like, but if we're in a pack, we're cool. We're cool. I'm good. Like if I'm safe, there it is. That's exactly it. Safety. So I think that's where we can go too. is like, and kind of what you were saying, Beth, of like, okay, what, what's the end? What's the end goal? You know, like what, what's the end there? And that's the thing is like, okay, how is this providing you safety? Mm-hmm. Because I see this providing you a lot of distress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know you value connection. I know that you value connecting with other people, but your mind is thinking about X, Y, you know, like what, you know, what ingredient is number one on the list or what, mm-hmm. what ingredient is number just even listed on the mm-hmm. list versus showing up and, and being one with, with who you are. I mean, that, well, what I mean is, is like having that connection, that relationship with who you're I, hanging out with. Yeah. I like literally just had chills up and down my legs because I'm feeling this. It is, it's about connection. It's about safety and that trauma informed nutrition care. We are not trauma. We're not doing trauma work, therapy work. We are trauma informed. That's perfectly within the scope of the dietitian. It's actually expected. So a little spoiler alert, I, the core courses for certification for eating disorder specialists are going to, for the nutrition is going to have the trauma informed nutrition. It's important, right? And we have to, we have to understand this. That's why I was one of the reasons, Sean, I was so excited to have you on here. It was your topic Uh at the Uh summit, the within summit. So the other cool thing about within summit was it's, it was free. If you wanted CEs, you could pay for it, but it's free. And I couldn't attend. I didn't carve out that time to be there live because I didn't know much about it this year. I'm going to follow it and be, if it does, if it happens again, I'm going to carve out that time because there's nothing like being there live because I can say, I'm going to go back and review something, but then I get busy with other things. And so I need to carve out that time to be there. But what I'm doing, because the recordings are available, is I'm having watch parties the next three Mondays. I think they're available for another 26 days or so. And so I'm inviting other clinicians into my office to come. And Abby, you're going to be in Kansas City next week. So I wanted to try to get you over here for the watch party. That would, Mondays are, I work till seven. Yeah, so that's not going to work. And no, but that's think, a great idea. It's so fun. It really yeah. is is you know, and so many of us we we get into things or we buy a program or whatever and we don't 
finish it. So it's a way to keep us accountable, but also in community. And that is yeah. that that just feels when we can have that conversation and hash things out within our people, that makes mm-hmm. it even better. Yeah. I love that, Beth. That's super cool creating that community. Thank you for doing that. Just I think we I think we all need it. You know, I think there's so much division and and everything else. It's like, well, wait, what why do we do this? We came in here because we want to help people out, right? And if we can inform ourselves and, and have different opinions, that's okay. And also too for the greater good of, of our clients and our clientele. Super cool. This was awesome. Such great conversation. I do have a wrap-up question for you. If you were to take yourself back to entering the field of eating disorders, what do you wish you would have known then that you do know now? <laughs> <laughs> this is a this is not a comedy sean i'm not sure i know i'm really sorry i'm just laughing because it's uh, <laughs> and i don't know why i think it's funny maybe it's like the disconnect i don't know <laughs> that it would have to be so confrontational like i am one of like the least confrontational people ever and like everything we do each day is like it like <laughs> it's totally like and in my mind, I don't, I don't, um, it's just like, it's like, wow, wow. Like, okay, this happened. Like we need to change this. And so like really like calling things out, like being like, Hey, that's not okay. Like if I knew that was going to be part of the gig, I don't know if I would have signed on the line, you know, but it's, it, this is where we are. <laughs> Abby's shaking her head. Yes. Because before we, before you came on, Sean, we were just having a discussion, you know, like this, this field isn't for everyone. And part of it is the the confrontation day in and day out. And I think about that as the way like that if if I'm feeling it, my client's feeling it. Oh yeah. So yeah. it's our job to to really recognize that and see how we can help them use their body as a resource. And I'm exactly. using your words with that, Sean. Oh. Well, thank you. That's, that's, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. And I don't mean to just like hop in with it, but that's, that's at the heart of it, right? That's, we're kind of going full circle of where we were like during our conversation where we were talking about like showing up the session. Hey, I'm noticing there's like this, I'm feeling like a block. I'm feeling that there, there's some, there's some, I don't want to say confrontation. I'm trying to think of the word y'all. You might have a better conflict. word. But it's just, yeah. There's like some conflict. There's something amiss here. Like help me understand what you're feeling. Cause that's, this is what I'm noticing in this moment. Yeah. You know? So love it. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Guys, thank you so much for having me. You guys, I, I appreciate the work you're doing. I, I I love it. That's awesome. Let's lean on each other and learn from each other so we can grow together as professionals in this field of eating disorders. If you want to connect with me for supervision or membership with monthly content, please find me at bethharrell.com slash professionals.